Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, high five, fist pound your neighbor. If you want to hug them, lean over there and hug them. That won't hurt at all either. One of the joys of our trip is we ran into some rainstorms, and so we were inside eating during one of the rainstorms, and that was kind of awesome until we got back to the bus and realized that the window above all of my stuff had been left open. So this old ragtag Bible that I've been carrying around a long time, it's going to have to retire. Yeah, I write, I write notes all the time in my Bible, and now most of them have just washed out. <laughs> They're, it's amazing, actually. So I get to build some new memories now. So you pray for my old Bible. So I put it. I'm not gonna throw it away. I'm just gonna put it on the shelf because I I have to see it every now and then. It's uh, that'll be this will be my third one. I'm I'm on. So I'm excited. What God's gonna do for in my new Bible? I don't know what one I'm gonna have, but I'll have one. God God'll God'll lead me to the right one. Okay. Let's see. Wow. I've got uh, just a little bit of time to say a whole lot of stuff. We're going to end our series today on the directions for life, talking about our um, identity, who we are, and what we are, and why we are. Through the book of Ephesians, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, so open those Bibles back there. I have placed those three kingdom worker cards right here. If you're interested in grabbing one, opening it up, and uh, again... We want to help you as a church family, so let us know what it says. Last year, one young person opened his up, and it said, provide 500 turkeys for your community and the needy in your community during Thanksgiving. This kid's 16 years old. So he went back to his church and told the preacher, and the preacher goes, you know, that's interesting that you would get that card because I've been praying for a way for our church to be more community-minded. So the church got together, and boom, they pulled it off. It was awesome. A girl at, at, at Jeff's church that went with us said, Inola, she opened her card. Her card said, organize a group to a foreign land. So they're already in the process of working out going to Zambia. And we're going to introduce Zambia to you over the next few weeks. You need to know about this. It'll touch them. Right, brother? It'll touch them. Sandra went with us. She's a trooper. She's a trooper, and I'm so glad she went. I asked her if she would share. She goes, well, I just don't do that, and that's, that's good. I just want you to know that she went, and she had a great time. She was, she was dancing and throwing her hands up like the rest of them, just getting after it. And uh, I, I must be getting older because the music was so loud. I went outside and sat on the porch, and it filtered through four layers of brick wall. I could actually hear the words. It was awesome, so... It was, it was amazing, actually. But I want you to know in Ephesians 6 that we are in a war. How many of you believe that? We are. And I, when I say we, I mean all of us. We're in this war. And you have to decide what you're going to do about that. And really, you were enlisted. You signed up when you signed on to be saved by Christ. You became a part of the army of God. Can I get an amen to that? There you go. But we have a formidable foe. <laughs> he is tricky. He takes ACs away when you need them in the hot weather. He takes loud people and when you're trying to sleep and make you not sleep. 
He takes a lot of things to get you unfocused on what you're supposed to be doing. Amen? But, in fact, the Bible says that he uh, roams around like a lion seeking whom he can devour. Woo! But if you are an authentic disciple, one by one, he's trying to pick us off. The greatest deception the enemy has ever conceived was, a, was to convince us that he is not real. A church that ignores the battle is already defeated. If you don't believe we're in a war, he wins. And as long as our minds are squarely focused on the things of the flesh, we will never know the battle that rages in the heavenly realms all around us. Right now, right now, it's going on. It's a battle that drove Jesus to the cross. We, we watched... The, oh, and by the way, thank you so much for the, the person who purchased the DVD player in the, in the bus. We watched movies going and coming. And Braden bought the Passion of the Christ. He said, Brother Harold, is it okay to show this? I said, plug it on. If you've never seen that, you need to see it. I don't know if that's what happened to him, but it sure looks good to me. He went through, oh my goodness. They, were, they brutalized that man. And that's what the Romans, that's what the Bible says. I mean, they beat him and beat him and beat him. And when he couldn't walk anymore, they kicked him and they beat him some more. And then they nailed him. I tell you, we're in a battle. That battle is what drove Jesus to the cross. Many tried to deny the existence of the devil uh, according to the book What Americans Believe by George, George Barna. Nearly 47% of those who call themselves evangelical Christians say that the devil's not real. 69% of the Catholic churches and 65% of mainline Protestants say, no, the devil is not real. They think Satan is just a symbol of evil that exists, an antiquated fundamentalist concept. So ironically, the belief that there is a devil who is served by angels and demons is not altogether popular in the religious world of modern America. The problem is, is when we deny the devil's existence, it gives him the leverage with the efforts that he puts forth on us. I don't know if there's an actual word for people who believe in God but don't believe in the devil. I'm going to say it in a one word. It's vulnerable. They're vulnerable and very spiritually naive. And so, hey, you may be thinking, yeah, 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 I've heard this all before, but it really doesn't impact me. I mean, I have a good life. Nothing really bad happens to me. I don't think that some evil force is out to get me and my family. I don't need to be paranoid or concern myself with all this supernatural mumbo-jumbo. Spiritual warfare is for those wacky, lunatic, fringe Christians over there who spiritualize everything. Well, you're probably correct. And the enemy probably doesn't, he probably doesn't mess with you. And you're probably completely safe from any of his attacks. And you know the reason why you're safe from all of his attacks? Is because you don't matter. You don't matter. Because if he is not after you, if he is not lapping up at the heels of your feet, if he is not working on you, he's already got you. Oh, but pastor, I go to church every Sunday. Super. Super. 
Oh, but pastor, I mean, I, I, I dropped a little offering in the plate. Super. Oh, but pastor, you know, I, I volunteer. I volunteer. Super. But if you don't feel the pressure of Satan working on you, <laughs> then you don't matter. Because when you're doing kingdom stuff, when you are really doing kingdom stuff, I mean, bringing people to Christ, bringing people to church, volunteering, giving that money, and doing it with a cheerful heart. Woo, man! He don't want to see you. He, he, he's after you. He's not going to leave you alone. He's going to come after you with a vengeance. His agenda is simple. He wants to keep us unproductive. He wants our church to, say, to stay the same way it is and never change. That's what He wants. He wants the same group of people to gather every week and no new faces show up. That's what He wants. Because if He can get us to accomplish that, and we're all warm and fuzzy and huggy and, Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> this week we were, I was teaching my lesson. And uh, it was getting toward the end of the lesson. And teaching to our kids and... Uh, the drummer and the bass player and the guitar player walk by. Lord, have mercy. I've never seen people get more excited about anything than I saw them get excited about that guitar player. Oh, oh. Girls fainting on the floor. Boys breaking out in sweats. Had to have a picture. I said, well, get up and go get a picture. Oh, no, 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 no. I said, well, you done interrupted the lesson. Hey, I called him over. I said, come here. He came over. They got their pictures. It was awesome. Except the bass player was mad because he said, it's always the guitar player. What about the bass players? You know, so. And the drummer, he just stood back there and go, hmm, I don't get any attention at all. But you know what? Satan wants, to, wants us to be unproductive. He wants us to take things lightly. He wants us to not get excited about our walk with God. And he wants us to stay the same way we always are because then he don't have to work on us. He has to work on us. He wants us to walk around and say, well, I'm only human. After all, I make these mistakes. And I mean, the church is full of hypocrites. I, I, I mean, the, the guy preaches too loud. Oh, the church service goes too long. Oh, the, the air conditioning isn't working right. No. Oh, are you with me? You got friends that you know are lost. You got friends that you know are lost. One of the things the young people were challenged to do this week is to write down the names of some friends that they're going to try to talk to Christ Talk to him about Christ. That takes a lot of courage. You know what I'm saying? It takes a lot of courage because you've got to step out of yourself and, and, and be what God's called you to be. Ooh. They were supposed to identify mentors that were going to mentor them. And then they are, in turn, supposed to identify someone they're going to mentor. Hey, how about that? See, it's not enough to take it in. You've got to give it out. Hello. Hello. All right. Sixth chapter of Ephesians. Is our heavenly call to arms. Our commander-in-chief gives us instructions. And as soldiers, we need to follow them. Let's get started. I've got four of them. Number one, I must be strong. Look at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. John Stott, a Christian writer, wrote this. We are far too weak to be to, and too ingenuous. Only the power of God can defend and deliver us from the might, the evil, the craft of the devil. True, the principalities and powers are strong, but the power of God is stronger. 
Amen? It's true. We've got to live in the reality that if we're on our strength, it's not going to happen. But if we're in God's strength, it's going to happen. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. You've got somebody stronger. That's good news. It's great news. Jesus does ultimately win, so no matter what happens to us on this earth, we're still, we are strong beyond measure. Weakness is a choice. No Christian should ever accept weakness. Verse, Colossians 1 and verse 29 says, To this end I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so, which so powerfully works in me. Paul says, It's the energy and power of Christ that makes me strong. And yet Paul characterizes his battle ever still as a struggle. Number one, I must be strong. Number two, I must stand against the enemy. In your Bibles, Ephesians 6, let's look at verses 11 and 12. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When we first step onto the stage in the book of Genesis, Satan is described as being cunning, more crafty than any beast of the field. God is describing him this way. And you and I think we can fight him with our flesh. You can't. You will lose every time. How do I know that? You're losing now. We are losing now. But we've got to keep fighting. It's not getting knocked down that's the problem. It's staying down that's the problem. Get up. Get up. Paige and Aaron were trainers for, for uh, our football and sports program at, at, at the... Uh, 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 high school, and I loved watching them go to action. When a, when a player goes down, boom, they're out on the field. Their whole motive is to get that player from the ground back in the game. That's their whole motive. And trust me, if you were hurting and Aaron came out there, you wanted Paige to come. You didn't want Aaron to come out. Because you're going to get up and go. If your leg's crooked, it don't matter. Can you stand? Okay, you're in. Go. No, I'm saying she was serious, boy. She's serious about getting you going and that's what we need don't we we need that encourager to get us going i had the kids this week list encouragers in their lives and some of your names appeared multiple times in these kids lists because they see you as encouragers they see you the way you are John Stott again, he said, If we hope to overcome them, that's the demons, the powers of darkness, we shall need to bear in mind that they have no moral principles, no code of behavior, no higher feelings. They are utterly unscrupulous and ruthless in the pursuit of their malicious designs. Sounds just like the radical Muslims, doesn't it? You can't communicate with them because they believe they're doing right by killing you. <laughs> Good news is, we win. Paul says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But I will tell you this, if you die for Christ, you're not going to have 72 virgins waiting on you. You're not going to have 72 virgins. But what you will have is the Son of God waiting there. What you will have are those who have gone before you waiting there. Ain't that be great? I just want to talk to Moses. Don't you? I want to talk to Moses. Say, really, how was it taking those people through the desert? I, I just really want to know. He gives us a glimpse over in Exodus when he stops, he's talking to God by himself. And he said, I don't know who these people are you sent me. 
I don't know why in the world you picked me to lead them, because they said, I'm done today. It's done. I'm through. And that's the a, that's a, that's a Pastor Phillips uh, loose translation of that. But I'm telling you, that's what he was saying. Because it gets tiring leading people. Parents, aren't you tired of leading your kids? Sure you get tired. Sure you do. Sit there and lie to me. Yes, you do. Because they keep making some of the same bonehead decisions, don't they? Oh, mercy. It's ugly. It's ugly. You keep looking at them going, what? What? You want to stop them from running into the wall. Maybe it would be good just to back up and let them go, oop, missed, <laughs> and hit the wall. He might wake up. I was talking to one of our, our, our members and his son a few weeks ago, and, I, and the son has been out of work for over a year. And I asked the church member, I said, do you have a two-by-four at home? He said, yeah. I said, how long is it? He said, oh, about that long. He said, that's perfect because that's baseball size. I said, I want you to get that two before, get it in your hands, and get, just get strategically in front of that kid and hit him right in the forehead with that thing. And the kid was sitting there right there listening to him. And, he, and I said, I know you're, understand, you're wondering why am I telling him, telling him to do that. I said, because I want him to get ahead of you. <laughs> I want to get some, knock some sense into you before he has to. Are you with me? Some of you aren't laughing. Come on, come on. Boy, y'all making me work too hard today. Luke 4, 5, the devil led him up. See, he, see, he tempts Jesus the same way Tim says. He led, he led the, uh, Jesus to a high place, and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I, give you all your, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone that I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. All he wants is control. You know anybody like that? All they want to do is have control. Doy dope taught me a valuable lesson one time. He said, you'll know you're growing in Christ when you don't have to have the last word. Boy, there's some people, they will not stop a conversation until they've had the last word. And they usually do it without a smile on their face, too. Have you noticed that? I love you. I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love you. I love you more. <laughs> be great if that's what they were talking about. Church bickering, splitting, and hopping around. They're the greatest example of, examples of us completely failing to stand for God. When we fight one another or disengage from fellowship, the enemy, he gains a ground. The place where we should be the most open and honest is at the church. But the problem is, it's the last place that we're most open and honest. And it's sad. John 4, uh, James 4, 11 and 12 says it this way from the message. Don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's Word, His message, His royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of de deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? We're just to lead them to the cross and then get out of the way. Lead them to the cross and get out of the way. We also don't fight other people. God is for everybody. It's not us versus them. We aren't fighting left-wingers, right-wingers, atheists, agnostics, and any other fleeting identity. We aren't fighting politicians. Boy, plenty of that going on. People, we aren't the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Fight him at every hand. 
fight him at every turn. And if you don't feel him really working on you, then man, you need to check out, you need to check out where you are with God. Because you ought to be feeling it. We've got to make a stand. We've got to stand against the enemy. And number three, I must be prepared for battle. Speaking of it, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm. Boy, he's t- three times he's telling us that. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted for the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you think about it, the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, succeeded in part because our guard was down. Peace had prevailed for so long, the radar screen had been predictable every day. So those warning signs went unheeded. We just simply weren't prepared. 9-11 was a devastating attack on our soil because there had been so much peace that we weren't even thinking about such a possibility. And now we realize it can happen anytime and any place. And so it is with spiritual warfare. Watchman Nee is a Christian writer and he writes this, Christian experience begins with sitting and leads to walking, but it does not end with these. Every Christian must learn also to stand. Each, of us, each one of us must be prepared for the conflict. Elizabeth Elliot, married to a missionary, the, uh, the uh, Anki Indians, uh, down in, in South America. She said, We have not been called to a playground, but to a battlefield. When her husband was killed by the people they went to preach Christ to, she and the other missionary wives decided to stay. And they led to Christ the very villagers who killed their husbands. Now talk to me about that. There's some standing, isn't it? Dwight L. Moody, great preacher, said, When I was converted, I made this mistake. I thought the battle was already mine, the victory already won, the crown already in my grasp. I thought the old things had passed away, all things had become new, and that my old corrupt nature, the old life was gone. But I found out, after serving Christ for a few months, that conversion was only, only like enlisting in the army, <laughs> that there was a battle on hand here. I'm reminded of the young lady we went into Iraq uh, with that uh, first surge into Iraq and somebody was interviewing her and said, Hi, how's it going over here? And she goes, hey, listen, I just signed up for college, man. Nobody told me about this gun thing. <laughs> I thought, ooh, somebody woke her up. The concept here is not a matter of attacking the evil one. It's defending what Christ has given you. But God doesn't send forth us into battle without the necessary resources for victory. Satan is a formidable foe. But we are reassured that we have the tools to fight him. Satan is a spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realm, but our God is an awesome God who reigns over heaven and earth. And so I want you to take a look again at those verses and let's look at each of the pieces of armor. The belt of truth also can be defined as mobility. There's your blank to fill in. Mobility. Because the believer whose life is controlled by the truth, he will defeat Satan. And until we practice truth, we cannot use the word of truth. Quit lying to yourself. Stand up. 
Be counted. If you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian in every phase of your life, every day of your life. Don't do it just on Sunday and hope something magical happens to you for the other six days. Do it every day. Oh, but preacher, it's so hard. Got you. I understand. Trust me, I understand. But we've got to keep at it, don't we? We've got to keep trying. The second one he lists is the breastplate of righteousness. That's loyalty. That can be defined as loyalty. Righteousness guards our hearts. Solomon said it well in Proverbs 4, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We should always be ready to do our best for Jesus. Yankee baseball star Joe DiMaggio once was asked, Why do you play so hard every game when you're in the twilight of your career? And I love his answer. When I come through the tunnel and enter Yankee Stadium, I imagine that there is some boy in the stands for the very first time. And I want him to see me play at my best. Boy, that's what we need to do every day for Jesus. 2 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives uh, among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. I heard someone once say, When Satan is knocking at your door, simply say, Hey, Jesus, could you get that for me? Isn't that a great way to look at it? Hey, Jesus, can you answer that door? Oh, Satan, wouldn't he be surprised to open the door of your heart and see Jesus standing there what's up? The next one he lists is feet fitted for the gospel of peace. In a word, direction. Direction. It's a reminder of our marching orders. Romans 10.15 says this, And how can they preach unless they are sent? And as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The next piece of armor is the shield of faith. In a word, that's our defense. Our defense. Faith extinguishes the deceptive lies that the evil enemy hurls our way. We're told to pick up the shield of faith. So that requires action on our part. You've got to pick it up and put it into action. We need to actively practice our faith to see our faith grow. The greater the faith, the larger the shield so pick it up every day and pray that it grows. The last one he lists is the helmet of salvation. And in the word, security. The battle with Satan is a battle for your mind. Put on the helmet of salvation so that every thought is filtered through the reality of your salvation. It's amazing when I'm at CLY conference how Satan brings thoughts into your mind. It's amazing. When you're around preaching like we were, and when you're around singing like we were, and when you're seeing young people break down and cry. We had last on a Friday night to have them stand up, those that had made first-time decisions. Boy, they were popping up all over, that, all over that auditorium. Then he said, those of you who have just come to repent, you've been a Christian for a while, and it's time for you, you want to, you want to really turn it around. And stood. I'm telling you, there was probably, uh, I'm going to say five, six hundred of them just stood straight up. Then he said, he said, if you're here today and you want to become a kingdom worker, he said, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be a preacher or preacher's wife. He said, but whatever you're going to do in your life, if you're going to be a banker, a lawyer, a businessman, or whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it, everything for God. I want you to stand up. And I'll bet you there's another five, six hundred of them stood up. Is that not awesome? That is the most awesome thing to experience, to watch young people get, get, let their heart get grabbed hold of. It's hard, hard to, to fathom. A football player can play with abandon and courage, but he knows his head is 
because he knows his head's protected by a helmet. A soldier can go into hand-to-hand combat knowing that the blows of the opposition will glance off the headgear. We can take the worst blow Satan can level at us because we know and he knows that we're saved to the very end. And there is nothing in all creation, God says in Romans 8, that can separate us from the love of God. And when Satan lies to you and says, he can't love you because of that past sin. He can't love you because of the way you behave now. He can't love you because you haven't cleaned up everything in your life. <laughs> I've got news for him. He done did it. All you got to do is accept it. And it's, it's yours. It's all yours if you want it. But if you want to just sit around. Oh, one of these days. One of these days, I'm going to get in there and really get with it. <laughs> How about today? Today would be a great day. Today would be a great day. Our coaches in our, in our church, if you were to ask them about all the players that they get to come out in front of them, the ones that stand out are those that do what? Put the effort in. Put the effort in. I was one of those guys, I did all the effort stuff, but I didn't always get to play. I was always the last one picked. <laughs> That's always a thrill, isn't it? They're dividing up on the playground, and they get out, and you're the last one. And the, and the two guys picking them are looking at each other going, isn't that great? And then it was always fun because then I could hit the ball half a mile. I had to. <laughs> I had to so I could get around the bases. I can get a double out of that. And boy, I tell you. Then all of a sudden my stock rose when I could hit the ball a long way. Made me clean up better so I could knock in them other three. Get the little skinny kid. They go, hey, what? You know, that little guy. He runs, but he could run real fast. I'm telling you. First Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith, love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last one he lists is the sword of the Spirit in the word power. This is the word of God. This is the gospel message. It's the death, burial, and resurrection. It's the only offensive weapon that's listed. Everything else is protective. And we make our defense or our stand with those. This one, however, we take on the enemy with it. You pull this up. You pull this out of your sheath. And you go at him. When Satan was confronted by Satan himself, he quoted scripture. He didn't, he didn't zap him with the powers that he had. He quoted Scripture, Old Testament Scripture, because that's all they worked with. Are you equipped enough to be able to do this? Wow, oh boy, I sure wish I was. Get busy. Get busy. Uversion, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N.com. Free download to your desktop computer or your mobile phone laptop computer it is awesome Life Church TV bought bought this and put it on I don't know it cost them in the in the double digits thousands of dollars to do they have now over 6.8 million people using this U version it is absolutely awesome has Bible reading plans has all kinds of stuff for you download it Get it. Use it. It's an awesome tool. Because you need to fight the fight. Preacher, I just don't know the Word of God. Spend time with it and you'll know it. 
Spend time with it and you'll get it. We've got to stand strong. Number two, stand against the enemy. Number three, be prepared for battle. And number four, and lastly, I must pray and be alert. Somebody read out loud verse 18 for me. Ephesians 6, 18. Read it out loud, please. Anybody? Pray continually. Never pass up an opportunity to pray. Somebody comes and says, pray for me. Pray for him. Pray for him right there. Just grab him by the hand and start praying. Well, 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 I didn't mean out here in public. Well, hey, don't ask me to pray if you don't want me to pray. Amen? Or somebody will come up and say, will you pray for me? Then you need to say, have you prayed for yourself yet? Well, no, no, I can't pray. I want you to pray. Well, that's defeating the whole purpose, isn't it? Where's your faith? If I can't connect through prayer with your faith, then what good is it? Just words in the air. Just words in the air. Well, but, 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 but you're the pastor. Yeah, good. Come walk my walk for a while and you'll find out, hmm, man, he shouldn't be a pastor. Oh, some of the thoughts he has. My gracious. Gotcha. We've got to pray. Be, on, be alert. It's how we support one another and how we hear from the fathers through prayer. Heard a story about attempts to ship fresh North, North Atlantic cod from uh, Boston to San Francisco during the 19th century. At the time, the only way to ship the fish to the West Coast was to sail around the South American continent. A trip that took months, and it, you can imagine the first attempts to dress the cod in ice uh, didn't work so well. Somebody, well, by the time we reached California, the fish really weren't fit to eat. Somebody then came up with the idea of placing holding tanks full of water on the ship and to ship them live and then be dressed out there. And the result was less than satisfactory because the fish didn't get much exercise during the trip. And as a result, they were pasty and pretty tasteless. Finally, somebody hit on a, a real interesting idea. They said, why don't we put some catfish in with the cod? Why would they do that? Because catfish are the natural enemy of the North Atlantic cod. And sure enough, when a few catfish were placed in those tanks with them, the cod were always alert and they were swimming around. And so when they got to San Francisco, they were in great shape. Our faith in Christ keeps us alert. The Word of God keeps us sharp and alert. Understanding that our enemy is waiting to devour us at any point. The worship team comes to help me close. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, may we accept who we are. We are a soldier, and soldiers fight. And Father, we're asking you, we're asking you, we're at the end of the bench. We're at the end of the bench, and we haven't really been fighting much. But we see that some of our fellow soldiers have gone down under the battle. And so, God, I'm praying that you will touch people today and they'll want to get off the bench. They'll want to get off the bench and they'll want to get into the battle. Because, Father, we need more people in the battle. We need more people off the bench. We need more people in the game because time is running out. 
Your Son Jesus is going to come soon. And my greatest fear is that I won't have enough time to find that one person that you want me to find to tell them about your Son Jesus. Because God, they're probably sitting pretty close to me most of my life. They're either that friend or that co-worker. Maybe maybe be that family member. God, time's running out. And we got to grab some souls and we got to bring them to, to, to the cross. God, help us to get in the fight. Help us to get off the bench and get into the fight. Today would be a great day to draw the line in the sand saying, going back. Here I go. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin that we find in your son, Jesus. And you don't care where we've been. You don't care even how we are right now. You're not even interested in whether we're cleaning up our life. What you're interested in is do we have a heart that's open to you? Because the cleaning up can happen once we surrender our hearts to you. And I'm so grateful, God, that you love me, this humble preacher, and that you sent Jesus to die for me. For God so loved Pastor Harold that he sent his only son. And if Pastor Harold would only believe in him, Pastor Harold would not perish. But Pastor Harold would experience everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus. If somebody has a decision to make God, would you just prompt their heart in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.